0: Look, Bray, the bad days are over. It's time for something new. We waste our strength fighting each other. We can't go on as we have. And that means? Cooperation in everyone's interest. The tribes meet, they talk, they trade. I thought you just wanted control. Of what? A band of ragged orphans scratching for food and water? No Bray, we have to move on. That's what the Gathering's all about. Welcome to episode 27 of Conversation on Eagle Mountain, a podcast about the tribe. I'm your host Lance and joining me on the podcast panel today is Liz. Hello. Hill.
1: Hi, I am here.
0: And Sabine. Hi. (laughs) With episode notes done by Matt, Kata and myself. So episode 27, um, screenplay was done by Nick Doughty. It was directed by John Reed and the episode synopsis will be read out by Sabine.
2: Del and Sasha work out a plan of escape from the Nomads Back with the Molrads, Sandra's anger and distrust of Tyson goes on Prompting her to assign Lex a true test of his loyalty Meanwhile, much to the dismay of the others Ray has another clandestine meeting with Ebony Where he learns the details of the meeting between the tribes KC puts his old world knowledge to good use by helping her Jack And Celine hides a secret from the other members of the tribe
0: haven't even got a wedding ring
2: yeah the looter's got all that stuff
0: not my problem think of it as a test what to prove how much you love me you find the ring and you get the princess okay so let's kick off episode 27 with um zandra's dreams for the future so despite what bad feelings she must have towards tai san um That was a really interesting scene in the beginning of the episode, where she seems willing to listen to Tai San as she describes her exercises. Um, I've got a few questions here about that. But um first of all, what did the panel think of that scene? um Did you think that was a moment where Zandra had decided to, the blame needed to be shifted onto Lex, or do you think it was just her natural curiosity um to find out what Tai San was doing? I think it's her realization
3: that, despite what Lex is saying, he's the one who dumped Tai San. Come on, like she knows him, she immediately doubts him. Anyway, you know she's sussing out Tyson. She's noticing that Tyson seems awfully chipper for someone who just apparently got dumped. You know, and yeah, I, I I don't think she's that curious about what Tyson's doing or what she's interested in. I think it's more like she's checking out her competition and the fact that Tyson is in such a good mood and not at all bothered and actually kind of smug. Has Mm -hmm. Zandra doubting what Lex said? I mean, that's one of the first things she says to him. You know, she doesn't seem too broken up about you dumping her, does she? (laughs) And I think that's what prompts her to send him on a fetch quest to prove his love. Because she doesn't believe that Lex actually dumped Tyson. And that, you know, he only came running back to her. Because whatever happened between he and Tyson didn't work
1: out, you know. You definitely see Zandra, like the wheels turning. Zandra during the scene, like, she, she knows something's up and is trying to get information.
3: I like the scene. The writing is very sharp and um, there's a really cool tone. I like the fact that Tyson, you know, she already made it clear she wasn't trying to get with Lex, but she's also not sorry for having slept with him. She's very much more that person who's like, sorry you were offended. <laughs> you <know? laughs> and I think she's just kind of amused by Zandra's jealousy because she tells her there's no need to be jealous I wasn't trying to take him first of all you can't take people they're not property you know and that's not what was going on so I think part of her feels a little bit you know uppity like oh, these silly little peasants and the way they see the world
2: <laughs> they're not as enlightened as I am <laughs> I, I do like that Zandra decides to take matters in her uh, own hand and just sends Lex off on his quest with okay if you love me, prove it, go out there, fetch me something
0: nice. Yeah, let's, um, let's dig deeper into that. Uh, We've talked about a bit about the games and hoops that the two have to go through, but I mean, do you not think that zandra has been a bit naive to believe that him just getting a ring and having a dream wedding will suddenly make everything perfect between the two of them?
3: It is naive, but it's in line with the way Tysan thinks it's supposed, I mean, the way Xandra thinks it's supposed to work. If someone doesn't love you, they wouldn't be willing to do these things for you. And there is some truth to that. Um, There's this joke about, you want to know if a guy is into you? Ask him to hold your purse. A guy who's into you is going to show up. Just give him something to do. He'll happily do it because he's into you. So Zondra's not wrong entirely for assuming that if Lex is willing to do these things, it must mean that he cares about her. Um, But it is naive to, I guess ignore all the other things he does that say the opposite, you know, um, because at mm-hmm. the end of the day, it's just actions and they're not, his actions speak louder than words. And he does plenty of actions that prove he doesn't care about her, you know, and she just ignores those ones. She's she, being very selective, the one she's going to give value to, I guess. And she'll give value to the actions that prove his devotion and completely ignore all the other ones, which we all know is not good. Um, I, I just think it's from her youth, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I, if I was young, I would, I might think the same thing, that a guy was, he must care about me if he was, well, when I was 13, I did believe that. He does this, so it means he must care about me. If he wants to hold my hand at a party, if he wants to kiss me, if he wants to be physically intimate, I believed that meant he liked me, learn the hard way that no it doesn't
1: (laughs) yeah and I think we've all done that like I mean I look back on my relationships and I had a real bad one but at the at the time it was cute because you know we all have those rose-colored glasses Mm -hmm.
3: but I gave her props for testing him in the first place because She's not willing to just take his word. She has doubts about the the Tyson situation. Lex knows she has doubts. She calls him out on her doubts and then says, all right, you know what? I I need to give you a mission just to know that you actually do care about me.
1: I just like the later bit where she's talking to Ryan and Ryan's like, he stands no chance of this. And he gets so excited about the fact that he could possibly, you know, marry Zandra because Lex is going to screw it all up.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I was just about to bring that up because um, one of the few moments where I don't like Zandra is when she,
2: yeah, right,
0: goes and slightly manipulates Ryan, even though she's been frank about her feelings towards him. Um, mm-hmm. And though it was played lightheartedly, I d- yeah, I didn't really like how she did that.
1: Yeah. I don't like Zandra in that moment, but I love Ryan. Mm. Yeah. I was just like, he is so excited about this prospect. So and hot. he knows, like, at that moment, we all know that the, pri- like, Lex screwing up is so high. <laughs> yep. I almost want that conversation later with, like, Ryan, Lex, and Zandra. And I guess Tyson has to be involved. Like, you screwed up. Now we get to get married. In her defense, she doesn't. She says,
3: "We'll see." Oh, true. So she she gives herself an escape clause. True. But the, like she basically tells him, like, if you're you're a fool to believe this, that's on you. But she doesn't actually commit to saying, "Oh yes, if he screws up, I'll marry you." She jokingly says, "Then I guess I'll marry you." And he's like, "Really?" And she's like, "We'll see." <laughs> we all know it. We'll see
1: me. True. Right. But when Ryan doesn't. I still I wouldn't be Ryan and be completely naive to this moment right now because. It would have been
2: adorable.
3: It is an interesting change in the dynamic of their relationship, though, because this is the first time we see her manipulating Ryan for Lex's sake.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: I mean, granted, she, she's going to benefit for it, too, but all the other times she tends to, you know, play with Ryan's emotions and stuff, it's usually because she's angry at Lex and she's just she's gone to the other side of the table to get her comfort and support. Mm-hmm. But this time she's still completely on team Lex and this is going to benefit she and Lex as a team and you'll start seeing her doing that more and more manipulating Ryan as a team and Mm -hmm. it's it's just an observation I noticed like oh this is the start of that.
2: Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: Well, I wasn't being entirely honest with you yesterday. I'm going to see Ebony. She's behind it all and I want to suss her out for myself.
2: Isn't that a bit risky?
0: I know her, it has to be me.
2: So why tell me?
0: Well, I wanted you to know so you didn't think I was going behind your back again, like you did before. And just in case I don't come back. So Bray admits to Amber that he lied to the tribe and he's actually going to visit Ebony. So he tells Amber the truth just to let her know, just in case he doesn't make it back. And I'm convinced that the gathering is legit, he reports back. But the Tribe are upset that he went sworn off again, and next in particular is livid that, as one of the leaders, he's been kept in the dark. Um, panel, you know my things about Bray and his so-called secrets, but um, where do you stand on this issue? Should Bray be more forthcoming? Um, should Amber have shared what she knew? Um, to Lex once she once she knew what Bray was doing? Um, and yeah, why should the tribe? care since they haven't really cared about what bray has done before
2: i think bray did a good thing telling amber for once in his life Mm -hmm. and no i don't think they should have told lex because lex would have butted in and tried to go with him and screwed everything up this was something bray had to do on his own without interference i think like
1: bray has left he told amber if later on i think amber should have gone to lex because that is not necessarily a conversation that he has to be in like right off the bat. But if you're gonna have, you know, a head of security or like, you know, divide the leadership roles over a point of three people, everyone has to be on the same page. And Mm -hmm. I think they should have let him know. Especially if something were to go down and you needed to send in your security team or have that back up. Like that's something that should have been communicated with not necessarily the whole tribe but the people who needed to know about it
2: but to be fair even if lex would have known and something would have gone wrong he would have never gone after bray probably not but still like
1: maybe he probably wouldn't have gone after bray but maybe he could have been convinced at that point i don't know
3: i definitely agree that i like this is bray he's learning that he has to tell people and i pointed this out before that he He's making strides, and this is a huge stride for him. Um, before, he simply told everybody that he did go talk to Ebony. This time, he actually seeks permission before going. He talks to the one person in the tribe that he knows will be reasonable about it. And explains he admits right away, I lied about where I was going to get the information. He didn't have to tell her that. He could have still gone to Ebony, come back, and said, this is what I've heard. But um, no, he chose to understand that getting the information from Ebony is very valid information that everybody else needed to know. They needed to know where this information had come from because it plays a part in what happens. Uh, So that's awesome for Bray. He's growing as a character who knows there are You can have some secrets, but ones that affect other people you really shouldn't keep to yourself. Um, I love the conversation about it. I thought it was a very realistic one. Um, I do think... the there's personal reasons for everybody why they're more affected by his having gone, seen Ebony this time. Before, it was a relief. They were all so scared. You know, they were all terrified mm-hmm. of what would happen if the Locos attacked them all. So Bray coming in and saying, I saw Ebony and they're not going to bother us. People were too relieved to be angry that he did it. They were just mm-hmm. like, oh, thank God, mm-hmm. you know. Um, Lex was the only one who was like, what? We're supposed to believe him, you know. And he's told straight off the bat aren't you just glad we're not being attacked that's not the case this time there are a lot of other tensions going on you've got a lot of people who are upset about different things um his biggest cheerleader celine doesn't like him anymore for some reason you
1: know <laughs> her being cold to him is one of the best in that scene though
3: <laughs> and so there is a reason for people to have different reactions you know their lives weren't on the line this time you know um This might also be the first time that the main group is hearing about the tribal gathering in general, because before it was only discussed between Lex, Ebony and Amber. And so this is the first time everybody's hearing about it and finding out he went to talk to Ebony about it. And he's telling us to trust her when the last time he told us we couldn't It's you know, it's conflicting information. Um, I do think it's interesting that uh, Amber doesn't stand up for him immediately and say, yo, he told me. (laughs) Because then she'd have to admit She hadn't said anything about it And I agree She could have brought this up to Lex I totally understand why they didn't discuss it with Lex Before Bray left Because they don't need that argument And Lex would have made it a fight But she could have definitely After Bray had already left Discussed it with Lex She's much better at talking to him She's very good at being able to reach Lex um, In a way that Bray can't and uh so she could have definitely said something to him and it definitely makes it look like she and Bray are a team and Lex is on the outside but she does make a good point to Lex when she says we're all leaders and you need to remember that you're one too but you need to act like one that's why Lex sometimes gets left out of the conversation because he doesn't want to act like a leader he's been neglecting his duties as chiefs of security Every time Amber has brought up, there's been no guard duty and stuff like that. He's been nag, 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 don't want to hear about it, doesn't want to handle it. So it's like, if you want the responsibility and stuff of being a leader Lex, you still have to do what you're your job, you can't neglect it and then expect everyone to still treat you like you're in charge of that job. So I thought Amber had a good point there.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: It's a good conversation. I, I liked all the different points of view well-written, the, you know, people calling Bray out was very legit,
0: especially Mm. in this
3: case. And the Mm. fact that Bray acknowledges that they're right, you're right. I'm sorry. I should have told everybody, you know what I mean? That that's on me. You guys all had a right to know because this affects everybody. But as he makes the point, we can't stay stuck in here forever. You know, it is a risk to go to this meeting, but what else are we going to do?
0: Yeah. Panel, what did you think about, um, Bray arriving at the hotel and the locos letting him in on site.
1: I always thought there was maybe a conversation that we didn't see between Ebony and the guards of like, oh, it's Bray. Let him in. Like like Bray somehow has a free pass with the locos just because of his brother.
2: Mm-hmm, yeah. like, it was
1: always curious to me, but we never saw it. Yeah. That's probably something that might have been on the cutting room floor.
2: One of the reasons I think Bray was able to get closer to Ebony more quickly was that from the start? The locos that were closest to Zoot and Ebony seemed to be with them the longest, so they were probably their classmates, and people they might have known before as well. So they could have recognized him and let him in for that reason, knowing that Ebony will probably want to hear what he has to say for himself.
3: Yeah, I agree. I think it has. A, there's a lot of considering a lot of reasons this could happen. A lot of them probably knew him. Ebony could have had a conversation with them. He's not a new face on the ground. And you don't have to be in the Locos for very long to know that he and Ebony have a relationship. He and Zoot had a relationship.
1: I always thought that maybe Ebony gave Bray less issues with things in hopes that maybe he would come over to the Locos. I don't know. Like, obviously it doesn't happen, but... You know, it always keep, like, keep him in the back pocket kind of thing. Maybe there could be some working together. It could just be a
3: tentative allyship. You know, yeah. there's always this person that you can, even if you're not on the same side, there's a code of conduct that you can discuss some things without fear of being harmed by that person. Mm-hmm. You know, this has always been common among enemies, having a chance to, because they, you can respect your enemy. You know, you don't have to, like, mm-hmm. hate them or stab them and that has been common in tribal uh, societies to speak their piece because they might information for you
0: um on the subject of um bray going to see ebony and the locos um yeah we get our first look at the iconic Horton bailey hotel um yeah what would you think of the new set and how the locos were acting
1: today i was like i like the call call back to like ancient rome
2: yeah
3: it was that is interesting um she's a The whole point of you is to serve me. That is your purpose here. And just seeing her by the pool gives you that visual, what kind of person she is, what she's looking for. And I think Brace susses it up immediately, what Ebony's doing. She can't be in charge of a garbage heap. What is there to be in charge of? She never denies that she wants power. She just says, power of what? I don't want power Mm -hmm. of this crap. So he's totally right that she needs to change the system if she's going to have power over it because there's nothing to have power over right now. And uh, so if you want to have goods, have the best of everything, you have to create a system that's creating and, you know, trading goods properly Mm -hmm. so that, you know,
1: move up the pyramid. (laughs) It's almost like we're seeing like a different civilization age, too. Like, the whole tone of the tribe has changed into the, like, modern civilization. Like, yes. We've gone, whatever preceded the Romans.
3: If this was, like, the Sims history challenge, they're leaving the prehistoric era for earlier civilization. Yes, there we go. <laughs> Things are getting a little more modernized, a little more organized. Yeah. You know,
0: <laughs> we've moved out of the Neolithic era. I mean yeah you've you've laid out like Ebony's intentions so like I'm um, thinking of like a what if like, how do you think the city would have been if um the locos had got gone through and she'd been on top and everyone else had been like <laughs> under their control
2: I actually think it would have been similar as to what we see happening in season 4
0: mm-hmm.
2: with one tribe on top one supreme leader above everyone and well the rest of them Return to well, no. First, (laughs) but like
3: every civilization that is founded in that, it wouldn't have lasted because the people on the bottom will only stay on the bottom for so long. Mm -hmm. And the people at the top, they become so corrupt, they basically eat themselves. Mm -hmm. We know with Ebony, despite all of her potential, she she destroys herself every time. (laughs) She could be in such a great position, and she eats herself.
1: (laughs) <laughs> Sorry. Like I just got hung up on like that visual right there. So it's like, wait, what?
3: She wouldn't have been able to stop thirsting for no. more power, more control, you yeah. know, and tipped over as always. And but I do think it's a great step in the right direction because it's true. I mean, regardless of whether or not you agree with Ebony's power hungry nature, or if there should be one person in power, you can't deny that they do need to change their direction. And this is usually how it happens historically. You know, this is why we evolve because our way of life stops being sustainable. So we have to Mm -hmm. find a new one. It's no longer sustainable to scavenge and fight over food. You're going to need people who actually have farms. You're going to need open trading, safe trading. People are going to want to go in the streets and work with each other if they're constantly being afraid of being kidnapped and sold into slavery. So the system has to change if the civilization is going to progress. Can you imagine that, you guys? Wouldn't it? Like, I mean, just think for a second if you could sit by a pool and be fanned by people.
1: I mean, I tried it once. Like, mm-hmm. I spent a lot of time at the pool, so I would try to, like, get all the kids to, like, treat me as their leader. It didn't work out very well, but it would have been awesome, yeah.
3: Just, <laughs> just having somebody stand next to you the gigantic fan for as long as you want them to, bringing you stuff. That's amazing. That would have been good. A good life. Just to have the, I would just love to have that audacity once in my life.
1: <laughs> we don't want to do that? It's, I also want to see like Ebony go, oh, pool boy. <laughs> yeah, like... Dude, I would
3: pay for the experience to be an elitist just once in my life. What? Just once? once. <laughs> Give me a drink, slave. <laughs> Mint julep. Just to, just to pay for the fantasy of <laughs> really I'm thinking mean. you're better than everybody, <laughs> just for a weekend.
2: How are things coming along? Fine. Even better without interruptions. You don't miss Dell? Why should I? I do. Del quite good with his hands in a basic sort of way, but he just doesn't see the big picture. I can manage fine. Okay, okay. Sorry. I was just letting you know that we're all counting on you. What? On me? This windmill thing for the tribal gathering. Why the gathering? We need something valuable to trade with the other tribes. If we show we can provide power, then we're in a position of strength. I, I, I never thought of that. <laughs> thing is, Jack, will it work? Yeah, yeah, of course it will. Trust me. <laughs> we do, genius.
0: A very proud Jack is um, also stressed because Amber plans to use his wind turbine as a bargaining chip for the gathering, but it's not quite ready and Lex has sabotaged a key component in order to make an engagement ring for Zandra. Um, a panel, why do you think it is so difficult for Jack to simply admit that he needs Dow?
2: He wants to be seen as a genius. He feels he is. He desperately
3: wants to be seen um, for his gifts. And it probably has a lot to do with, you know, insecurities and being made fun of when you're young. You know, Jack admitted to being bullied um, like he admits to Ellie later. that You know, he didn't have friends. Kids didn't like him. Mm-hmm. He was the weird smart kid. And and then, you, you know, I'm sure there were adults in his life telling him that being smart was great. It was a good thing. And Jack decided to latch on to that. Yes, I have this talent. I'm really good. And all these jerks, they don't appreciate it. They don't get it. But I'll be appreciated for it someday, you know what I mean? And yeah, just the idea of failing at the one thing you're supposed to be good at. I can understand the insecurity of not being able to accept failure, not want to admit it, not want to admit you need help. It was a defense mechanism that he had to develop from being mistreated or seen as different. And I
1: feel for Jack at that moment where he like puts his head down into feet because it's like, you know, this was his pet project that he started to kind of help out his own group of people and then it just escalated and now it's like, Mm -hmm. do or die and it's not working. (laughs) And suddenly my pet project has become this big thing that could save us all and
2: yikes. Yeah, it could save them all, or it could be the end of them. Yeah. Or, it could, yeah. Like, there's a lot of pressure on him right now. And And there's some time frame that he has to work very quickly. You know, he can't have any trial and error because suddenly there's this big event where it has to be ready no matter what. Yeah. It got.
1: He bit off way more than he can chew faster than he thought he did. And I think, I mean, I've had that happen too. And it's, it's an overwhelming, crushing. Thing to happen.
3: I, I've gone through periods in my life where the only thing I thought I had to offer was being a mother. I sucked mm-hmm. at everything out, but at least I could be a good mother to my kids. And I put all my eggs in that basket because that's where my self-esteem was. I didn't feel I had anything else to offer on the table. But if I could just do this, if I could be good at this, if I could be great at this, that's all I had to be. That's all I had to do. And so that meant even the most small minor defeat, in being what I considered a good Mm -hmm. mother was enough to literally crush me. And there were times I didn't ask for the help that I desperately needed because if I needed help with this, then what good was I at it? Like, this is all I've got to offer the world. And if I mess up at this, you know, it's... And so I I do think that for Jack, this is what he has. You know, this is where all his self-esteem lies in being able to do this thing. And it goes from just being a trial, like... I'll eventually figure this out, I know I will I know I can get this, I know I can figure it out To suddenly, like Hill said, being The most important thing ever If he doesn't get this right And mm-hmm. the inability to say I might need help, or I don't know if I can do this Which we all learn with maturity no. You know, but how many of us At 13 could do it
1: And I think that's the point of the scene Like, you're, the tribe is showing kids Like, there gets to be a point where Asking for help That's the lesson right here. And yeah, I I give it to them for that. Like, it's a hard thing to do in the moment.
3: and I agree. I I mean, even though Jack's ego bugs me, I can completely understand it because I have quite one of my own. And I do feel for this kid who he desperately wants to figure this out and he doesn't know how. And who can he ask for help, you know, without in his eyes, he would lose esteem. If he asked them or admitted that he couldn't quite do this. And the way Amber says it to him. Like, We're all counting on you. You're our genius. And he's just like. <laughs> See, thanks, Amber.
1: That's exactly what I needed to hear at this point. On very any moment. other day. I would love hearing yeah. that. But not <laughs> but today. Not right now. Kudos for Jack for not biting her head off at that moment.
3: <laughs> like, there's a the recognition he's always wanted. But, like, now is not the time. Because he can't actually deliver.
2: Yeah. I do like that he eventually does say to KC, Okay, I could use an extra pair of hands. Because in his mind, KC is just, well, a kid. KC proved his worth
1: when he knew about the alternator. And suddenly, he wasn't a kid. He had some knowledge that could be useful in this moment. And Jack needs that. Also, I
3: think it helps that KC is... Lacking all judgment he can tell that Jack's having a hard time with this but he's still all smiles about it like He's mm-hmm. not like wow you can't do this he, There's nothing mocking coming out of Casey there's nothing judgmental and he's like I can mm-hmm. help I'd love to help And I think like I said Jack is often on the defense mechanism He's either used to being made fun of by people because he's super smart or attacked for it or whatever So that's what he kind of assumes from people but here's Casey who's offering nothing but friendship And eagerness and he happens to know some stuff, and you see Jack's face light up, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, like, yeah, I actually could use some help from someone I know isn't going to give me crap for not knowing what I'm doing, or, you know. Mm-hmm. Pepper Potts too. too.
2: Yep. But, yeah, in, in Jack's mind, Casey looks up to him. He can teach him things. He can, you know, help him grow. And, yeah, that, that seems to be what he needs. Someone that will just do what he says and still look up to him if things go bad.
3: I love the eagerness on Casey's face. Like, one, he's trying to get out of Hawk with Amber because he doesn't (laughs) want to be put to work, you know, or have to go to school or anything like that. And he's always like, Jack, please, let me help you, you know. And and just the bright-eyed look of discovery on his face. He Mm -hmm. thinks what Jack's doing is so cool, you know, and... It is very sweet. I like the moment, and
1: forgot about Casey's line about like, yeah, it's an alternator. I used to steal these all the time, maybe any yeah. like, just like With them and sell them. <laughs> yeah, like, like that's such a throwaway line that I like so much. Mm-hmm. Like, yes. <laughs> little actual window into Casey's life. Yeah. Like- Thanks. I needed just
3: that little nip of a backstory for you. And mm-hmm. It was a good one. I like the way he in- he barges into Jack's face. He throws the ball in there so the dog goes first. <laughs> like
1: just in- to just kiss the doorway's booby-trapped or something. Or like if Jack bites his head off.
3: Yep. <laughs> like, who can be mad at the dog? And then just saunters in there, all grins. Rosy cheeks. It's it's. Come on, how can you? He, be he mad had a kid?
1: plan. He had a plan.
3: It's a really nice moment between those two, and them working on the roof. I really, I liked it a lot. I wish we got more of those moments later on. But it makes it precious when we do get them. True. As for Lex unknowingly destroying um, the the wire, I'm I'm I really don't blame Lex for this. Okay. As far as Lex knew, all he was doing was stealing some useless wire. Hmm. Now, he knew stealing was wrong, but I mean, give me a break. This is Lex, right? <laughs> you got you to
1: give his crimes a margin of error, you know what I mean? Giving him the benefit of the doubt. Like, you walk into a workshop, like, I don't know if it's fair game in that space, but, like, I keep an art studio. I have students coming in and out. The rule is, as long as nobody's using it at the at the moment, and it doesn't look like it's part of a project, you can take whatever you want. And, like, I do. I have my little stockpile, and it says, Hillary's stuff, don't touch. But everything else in that room is fair game for my students. And they find stuff, and, like, sometimes they'll ask me, and the rule is, usually, if you ask me, the answer is no, because then I get to think about it. And I'm like, actually, second thought, I, I need that. That's mine. Bye. So I don't I don't blame Lex for seeing it and, like, thinking, ah, I'll just nick this right now. It's not being used.
2: No. No, yeah. <laughs> no. Jack's workshop, he knows that Jack is working on this. He has no clue how Jack is doing things. But Lex got off telling Ryan he was an idiot for stealing wires from a piano. And then he goes in there and just cuts some wires out of something that he doesn't know it is. But it seems like something that's placed somewhere specific, not in the middle of all the rubble, but, you know, in plain sight, which means Jack must have put it there for a reason.
0: It was on his workbench. It wasn't, like, tucked away, hidden. It was, it was obviously important because Lex goes and hides um, as he does it. So, no, yeah, I can't give him that, that it was, he, yeah, no, <laughs> sorry.
3: I agree with you guys that him stealing is wrong. Because this could have been important. I totally agree with that. I'm not saying that Mm -hmm. it's okay that he went into Jack's space and took something of Jack's um, for any reason. And again, you're right. He knows that taking something from Jack was wrong. But I don't think he would have done it if he thought it was involving the wind turbine. I don't think Lex knew the severity of what he did. Like, he just thought he was stealing something in the same way Casey steals, you know, the Game Boy. You know what I mean? Like they know it's wrong to do this. And Lex is totally wrong for stealing anything from Jack, especially since he wasn't planning on giving it back. And he was destroying something to steal it. I'm in full agreement with that. He doesn't know what that thing is. He doesn't know that cutting the wire won't make it not work anymore. He shouldn't have done it. So I agree. He's wrong. He should not have done that. And he's destroying someone's property. And he knows he's wrong. All I'm saying is that I don't believe that Lex had any idea it had to do with a wind turbine. That it was that important. Like, I don't think Lex was thinking along those lines that this is on the workbench and you know, he's working on his twin turbine, this might be a part of it, and I'm sabotaging it. I don't think that crossed his mind at all. He's just like, Oh, here's some junk. Maybe it's useful to Jack, but I don't freaking care. But I don't think he thought it was important to Jack. He's still wrong, but just it's a degree of wrong. Do you know what I'm saying? I
1: don't think the act was malicious. I think it was just like, hey, You know, maybe he's stockpiling this for a different reason. I don't know what it's for. It might be worth something. It might not be. But right now, I could use this kind of deal. Yeah, but come
2: on. He could have just asked Jack for a piece of wire that he needed, you know? But
1: that's the thing. Like, sometimes, like I said, in my studio, if you ask sometimes, then it becomes a, actually, I could use that. So, no, I'm not going to let you use it because... I have a plan for that. So, at this point, it negates that and I can just use it right now. He didn't, he thought it was probably just an excess wire that was hanging around for whatever reason.
3: He's still wrong. He should never done it.
1: He was still wrong, but I could see why he didn't ask.
3: Well He didn't ask because he didn't want Jack
1: to say no. Exactly. <laughs> That's so, he just nicked it. Because like.
0: he was too lazy to leave the Mormons, go on to search, a proper search. Yeah. yeah. You yeah. know what,
1: this is what I was
3: wondering about that whole thing There is a boarded up jewelry store in the mall Why not just check it, just rip the boards down You know what I mean, someone boarded it up before the end Obviously to try and protect their merchandise And the boards are it's still there Which means he's
0: incredibly lazy Oh
3: <laughs> well, yeah, and also <laughs> he is this lazy. brings up Absolutely. conflict later Absolutely. He will take the easiest way out of anything and then complain that he doesn't have the things he wants out of life. And then have the nerve to judge somebody else. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, well, you, don't, you don't have room to talk about anything, Lex. Sorry, I hate to break <laughs> it to you. Um,
2: I, I just thought it was weird that he didn't bother to check
3: the jewelry
2: store. could make his conflict for later. But even with him not, you know, leaving them all on his own to go find something. Surely he could have got, gotten KC crazy enough to nick him someone's ring somewhere.
0: He was just like, oh, Ryan... Have you not seen a ring? Are you sure, Ryan? Ryan, you got a ring. What do you mean have got a ring, Ryan? I he
2: was trying to fob <laughs> it off, you know,
3: and I am curious. That is interesting why he did Maybe it's just because Casey wasn't in the area. I don't know. But, yeah, part of me wants to believe that in some place in Lex's mind, he knew if he didn't do this on his own and, t- and Zondra found out he hadn't done it on his own, he'd be yeah. still in hot water with her. So he's got to figure this out and... I mean, she's his last choice. This is his last resort. He's got to figure this out with her. So he's got to get this ring. But how can he do it with the least amount of effort possible?
2: Yeah, because he always claims that he's going outside. He's been into the city, which we never see. I already told you he
3: wasn't. I told you he was lying. Yeah, we never ever see him do this. Up until this point, he is not not going anywhere. You
1: see a lot of things, people. He's a liar.
3: We all know that Lex is a liar.
1: A scary cat.
0: It is funny because he says all these things like, Oh yeah, I've been to this casino and yeah, this is happening and we never ever see Lex leave them all.
3: I am curious as to what circumstances he did go to the casino. Like did he ever really go there? Um, because Lex only does that stuff when it's safe for him. He doesn't I mean, don't get me wrong, there are times Come up well Lex will put himself willingly In danger for whatever reason but Most of the time he's big on risk Assessment and if it's too high A risk Lex is like no and I'm not gonna Fault him for that <laughs> I, mean, I don't have a problem with the fact that he's Concerned with keeping himself alive There's nothing wrong with that But it does make me wonder, what circumstances did he get to do these things, you know? Like, I don't know. It is interesting that he talks about stuff he's done. But since he's come to the mall, we've only seen him avoid anything that could be dangerous. Most things, at least. But yeah, I, I know he's in the wrong for taking the wire. I know it. I'm just not angry at him because... Again, I don't feel like he knew just how important this was. He thought he was stealing something pretty worthless in his eyes. Wrong for stealing it, but... I'm,
1: I'm with you on that.
3: I just think if he knew it was part... Of, like, I don't think he would have cut it out of the wind turbine itself. Like, oh, there's some wire in the turbine. You know, I'm going to cut this because screw Jack.
1: <laughs> I mean, at, as someone who has an art studio... And has gone to places to, like, nick stuff for art projects. Like, if it doesn't look like it's being used right at the moment, like, yeah, I'm going to borrow it and take it and use it for my own thing.
3: But, I mean, that situation is different because your studio has an open door policy. So you already know you're allowed to take things out of the studio. But Lex is not in that situation. He knows he's not allowed to just take something from someone's room. He has no permission to be in there whatsoever. So they're not comparable.
2: But still, taking something from that workbench is just next-level idiocy. When you know Jack is working on a big project that's important, you don't take the one thing that looks... Like, it's work in progress, because there's actually tools near them. There's a huge pile of other crap he could have looked through and taken something from.
1: And if Jack's anything like most people I know with a workbench, there's probably like four piles of crap. They're not really anything right now, and it could be like a a crapshoot of what's actually useful and what's not. Yeah but this didn't look like random trash.
3: I think that just depends on
1: it the depends person. on what you're looking at, yeah.
3: Like I know I would have looked at it and thought this looks kind of important and I also wouldn't have cut any wires in it because I would be like these are all connected. My brain would have been like these are connected for a reason. If I cut them, this thing probably won't work the way it's supposed to. I don't know what this thing is for. I don't know how important it is, but if I cut the wire, it won't work. That's the way I would
1: think. But I would looked at it if it I- it looked-
3: yeah hill right here she'd be like "Ah, yeah i would have been
1: like there's like four other spools of wire and there's this thing over here he won't miss this one right now like you've got it whatever just take a piece of one of the spools of wire there's like seven of them who this one's copper this one looks
3: better than the silver one over there but then most of us wouldn't have done it anyway that's that's just at the end of the day most of us would not just go into someone's space and take something that's not ours without having a very good reason for thinking it would be okay
0: see Lex the thing with Lex he he knew it was important he knew it was important enough that he had to hide the fact that he took it from Jack uh Lex has like no issues with like going into Jack's room and taking batteries or whatever he needs so the fact that he knew really hides shows that he knew it had some kind of importance. Whatever he didn't know what exactly what it was, but he knew it was important. So to just take that, um, just shows the level of fevery. I don't. Yeah. I, I just
1: thought that he was hiding because he was in Jack's space, and like he would have done the same thing if he had nicked the Game Boy or battery. Like he
0: did that in front of him. He, he just walks
1: care. in there to grab whatever he needs and then scoots out and hopes that it's not anything that important. And up until this point, it hasn't ever been anything that important. So why would this time be any different to
2: Lex?
0: Yeah, so <laughs> why, why would he hide? Why would he... he would because he's not supposed
1: to be in there.
2: No, but he was supposed to be there the other times. Yeah, and, he yeah, just and each time... And he didn't want it right in front of Jack. Without I
1: Jack wasn't in there this time. So he walked in, Jack wasn't there. He nicked, it, he nicked what he needed. And then he... Jack starts coming back, and then he's like, oh, snap. I could get caught. It's not like last time when Jack was sitting right there and I had a conversation and palmed something and then walked away without him noticing.
0: Mm.
3: Wow, you guys got me somewhere in the middle here. I, I'm loving listening to this because on, Hill, on Hillside, I agree. When I first saw it, I just assumed Lex was hiding because he'd stolen anything and he didn't want anyone to know. He just didn't want Jack to know I was in your room and I took something from you. I don't want to have this conversation with you. And so that's what I thought it was. That's the only reason he hid is because he didn't want to have that conversation with Jack. and He didn't want Jack to know he was in a space taking something that he had no business taking. But now that you point out, but now that Lance and Sabine have pointed out that it is true that Lex has never felt the need to hide doing this in the past. He's never felt like he needed to hide from Jack that he was taking something from him. But, but there is an argument for why he would feel he has to. Now that he's in a leadership position, now that they have rules, before when he stole from Jack, they didn't have any rules about how they were supposed to treat each other or the way people were supposed to act. So it was a free for all. But now he has to hold up some semblance of his leadership position. And he can't get caught doing something like this because they actually have a rule now that says you can't steal. So if Jack catches him stealing now, Jack can actually post a complaint about it. Amber will get on his case. Bray will get on his case. Someone might even say he shouldn't be a leader, on and on. So there could be another reason for why he doesn't want Jack to know. Simply because there would be consequences this time.
1: And another thought that I had, just thinking back. Have you guys ever had, like, I know sometimes in my house, like, we'll bake, especially as kids. Like, there used to be, like, a plate of cookies, like, Laying out. And, you know, it's commonplace that if you would like a cookie, you can grab a cookie. And so, being a child, you see a plate of cookies, you want them. So, if my mom was in the kitchen, I'd make, you know, conversation. I'd talk to my mom, you know, whatever. As soon as her back was turned, I'd eat a cookie and then, like, scoot out of the room. Hopefully, no one noticed I took a cookie. But if I would walk in the kitchen and nobody was there, I didn't have the fear of, like, having to stuff a cookie in my face. I could, like, put it in a pocket, and if I heard someone coming, I would, like, mosey out and hope that no one noticed that I had a cookie in my pocket.
3: Again, that's not comparable because the cookies, you already know you're allowed to have one. Not the like same right before thing. dinner. You're a kid. You're not supposed to eat all the cookies. But the point is you just said that everybody knows they're allowed to have a cookie. It's not the same. You're not actually stealing a cookie. You just, for some reason, feel like you're doing something wrong, but you just said everyone's allowed to have a cookie. It's not the same thing.
2: This idea of going up to someone's workbench and taking something away from that. No, it just doesn't sit right, right with me. Lex fully know what he was doing sucks.
3: Yeah, Lex knows what he's doing is wrong. Again, I don't think he would have done it if he knew it had anything to do with the turbine. But that's the only concession I'm giving him. Like, I do not think he set out to ruin the turbine or ruin whatever project Jack was working on. For him, it was just, I'm stealing. I know I shouldn't be doing it. I don't want to get caught because I'll probably get in trouble because we have rules now.
0: Sorry, I was just thinking about um, what happens later in the the gathering. um, With Lex doubling down, that that this was all going to be a mess. Um, Did he unconsciously sabotage them? I don't know. He did. It does bring a different light to me, so We'll get to that next it time. Does
3: feel, it has a self-fulfilling prophecy vibe. <laughs> like, maybe this wouldn't have been so horrible if you hadn't set us on this road and Jack hadn't done this. It's it's self-fulfilling.
2: <laughs> he wanted it to go wrong so he could prove Bray and Amber wrong and that he was right.
0: No, I don't think he thinks that far ahead. <laughs> well, we'll definitely come back to this conversation next time. But sticking with um, Amber and Bray, Uh and I'm afraid, I worry that there's no one to show us the way anymore. It's lonely being a leader, huh? It sets you apart somehow. Isolates you. And there's no shoulder to lean on? Actually, I don't see how anyone can be lonely with people like Lax and Jack around. The psycho Terminator and the nerd. Amber. You don't have to carry the whole weight on your own. We're doing okay. And you... You're doing just fine. Thanks. In a scene, Amber shows her vulnerability to Bray, um, but when the chat about the burns of Lucia, are about to get a bit cosy. Amber's walls come rising again, and we see Bray visibly frustrated. Um, yeah, panel, what, what do you think is going through Amber's head? Because um, one minute we see her openly flirting with him, and the other she quickly hides behind her walls again.
2: I think Amber's afraid to get hurt. And to be fair, that's what happens to women who are into Bray. They get hurt. So she's protecting herself. I can't actually
3: argue against that. It's not Bray's fault, but I can't even argue That that's so yeah. true. <laughs> if it's you're true. Into Bray, you're gonna get hurt on for some reason. Somehow. It might even be your fault, but you're gonna get hurt. <laughs> oh my gosh. That that gives me a stomach stomachache. Poor Bray. He's like a he's like a cursed monkey paw lover. <laughs> Well, you will get him, but a lot of things are going to go wrong. Like you get your wish, but there's an
1: awful cursed twist to it. <laughs> Bray is just cursed to die alone. he <laughs> not uh, It's kind of true, uh, isn't it? Yeah, it is so true. Awful. And you know what? I don't. I don't feel bad for saying it. Good.
3: Ah, <laughs> oh, sorry, Bray. This sorry, Bray. This no, is not no, not Amber. sorry. Um, I agree with Sabine. I've always believed that Amber, just that's where her trust issues come from. She doesn't want to be hurt. And they will continue to manifest throughout the three-year saga of these two's relationship. And uh, I don't know if it's just Bray. I think it might be everybody that she has trouble being emotionally intimate with. And um, I mean, she's not as bad as Tyson, you know, because Amber does not write people off. Or keep everybody at any, you know, a complete profound distance She still cares about them, she still lets them in But romantically, yeah, she's got some walls And I can't even judge her for her because I'm the same way Um, And I got that way young You know, some of us, you only have to hurt us once And that's it, you know, that's a spike on top of our garrison For every little hurt we've ever suffered You know, we told you a secret and you told somebody else We never tell anyone a secret again it's like that's just how we respond that's our trauma response to being hurt or having our trust misplaced in people so here's amber she's only 14 but i can totally believe that this is where she already is in her life she lessens her guard with him starts to put the feelers out and immediately catches herself like oh right yeah no nope nope not going there you know and I do feel a little bad for Bray. You can see that look in his face. Like I thought we were getting somewhere because for him, it's an emotional rejection from her every time it happens. Um, But it is funny because the last time we talked and she was the one coming on to him and he was the clueless one. (laughs) (laughs) And she was the one who was like, oh, right. (laughs) So it's just, it's, it's, what is it? Like um, romantic tennis, I guess. <laughs> Isn't this why you people love them? This this back and forth. No,
0: <laughs> no,
2: we don't love them. Back. You're you know who you're talking to.
3: Oh, I'm talking to the, the brambers in general who might be listening to this. Isn't this part of the appeal that it takes them so long
1: to discover that they're each other's lobster? <laughs> Do we have bramber people like on the panel? Just out of cure. like I'm pretty sure Lance likes them. Yeah, I
3: like them. Um, just Not really, judging you. I'm not throwing you under the bus. Yeah, either. not
1: judging at all. I, I go through moments. <laughs> like I think when I was little, I liked them, and now I'm just like, no. You
2: know, the strangest thing in this episode, I actually do like them together and the way they're acting.
3: I like the conversation. Um, it gives you even more insight into the way they view the world. Like, Amber, she's just talked to Tyson, and she's upset because it didn't like... She's once again reminded reminded of her power issues and her limited power and whether or not she's taking it too far. And so she's doubting herself. She's a little upset at herself. And she's looking for, you know, someone to console her. Someone she can talk to and confide in. And her and Bray are getting to that place where he's becoming more and more the person she's willing to open up to. And I like that. And you're listening to them talk. And you've got Amber who you realize how much of the weight of the world this girl does put on her shoulders. The stuff she's constantly worried about and thinking about, and Bray's looking at her like, "Really? You think about that stuff?" <laughs> like his face is clear because he doesn't concern himself. Like when she says, "I worry about the children and the baby," Bray's like, "The baby? Oh yeah, the baby." Like <laughs> he just look at his face. He doesn't think about this stuff at all. He sure it'll just work out somehow. And she's just like, "No, that's not how this works." <laughs> He's just he's so taken with the fact that she cares so much about all of this, you know, and then, you know, he's trying to offer her the only comfort he can. You don't have to do this by yourself, you know, and and then she immediately changes the subject like, oh, got too close. Oops, oops. Can feel the heat of this flame. No, 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 no.
0: Mm.
3: Head for the rose. Burning fingers. No, no. <laughs> it does. It says a lot about them, and it has a profound effect on Bray when she's gone because you see him change his perspective to think the way Amber would, worrying about every single thing, you know? Um, but as long as she was around, she was do that. All you had to do was support her, you know? And um, so I just thought that was an interesting dynamic and information about these characters and how the writers will use this going forth to shape who they are and who they become.
0: Um do you guys want to talk about down session or do you want to skip to the final
3: i thought the cinematography was awesome and there were some pretty cool stunts which i thought were a lot of fun i liked the escape
1: i kind of wanted them to like move that uh tent pole i like the whole thing to come crashing down though every time i watch it i'm like you're gonna move that pole the whole thing is gonna come crashing down and then it never happens and it makes me sad
3: well, the nomads were really good at those tents. I really like the work oh, yeah. they put into mm-hmm. those tents. And the the old-fashioned way, that is exactly how nomadic tribes used yeah. to do it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You have to use a tent. that might be your synagogue, for Pete's sake, your place of worship. You'd have candles in there. So, you know, we think tent. We think of the canvas cramped things that we stick, stick in. Nah, if you were a nomadic mm-hmm. tribe traveling... Your tent had to be amazing, you know And mm-hmm. so I, I was impressed with that Believe it or not I was like, now that's some tent building right there Look at that Look how far into the ground they made sure that pole
1: was mm-hmm. Good stabilization, guys <laughs> Once again, I want it to happen Because I'm just like, get rid of Sasha Just kill him off No, I did wonder. her I
3: was like, Dal, if you stayed up all night wondering how you're going to escape and you had an idea,
1: why didn't you
2: wake Sasha
0: up why? Start
2: working on it in the nighttime? Yeah. True. <laughs> didn't bother anyone that they came in with food and Sasha ate everything. You don't see Dal taking a single bite and suddenly the bowl was empty. Dal Dal brings up
1: that they're going to get
3: eaten Dal's really worried Also Dal is the type who He lets his worries consume him And Sasha is the opposite Sasha is He understands We are in trouble But he's not going to stop that From like He still has a sense of humor He knows he's eventually going to get out of this And he's certainly not going to starve himself Because he's worried about it He's going to need his strength He's going to eat You know In fact he I remember the the other meal He offers Dal food And Dal's like I can't I can't eat Because he's too upset You know Dal's not gonna waste. I mean, Sasha's not gonna waste away. He is gonna eat, gather his strength until the opportunity to escape comes. Dal's the one who's gonna worry himself gray and bald. Also because he doesn't want to get eaten. (laughs) But yeah, I love the whole escape. That was cool. And I love what Choi says. We don't enjoy doing this. And just what that was what I thought was Mm -hmm. really cool about the nomads, like the idea that they do this, not because they're malicious, not because they're hateful, but it's the only way they can survive and live. You know freely without being attacked By bigger dangerous tribes You know They even had little Misty chasing him Did you guys notice that
1: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) When they were chasing him I was like is that the little girl The abandoned child No like You know how there's like always in a horror movie There's always like the demon baby That's what I thought of Like she looks so sweet and innocent But yet that's the one you have to mess with Like be aware of Because she's the one that will like Attack and mess you up. Also, their desperation to catch Dal and
3: Sasha says a lot about how much this plays a part in their livelihood.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Like, they cannot le- lose these two, that they would just get, they mobilize the entire tribe to chase them down. That says a lot. They are in desperate need of these slaves they have to sell, you know?
2: And clearly, with the way they do this, they've probably done this before.
1: Oh, yeah you can tell they have a system, but I think this is also like when I start liking the tribe more because they're not the they're not hiding their their evil like it's finally out on the table and you don't get those weird vibes like finally you get to see their true colors
3: they also really need that payout because of all of the resources they've already
1: wasted on these
3: slaves yeah, they started feeding them immediately but
1: you know, also like if they promise Zoot. Or not Zoo, but the locos, two slaves, and they don't have two slaves. Maybe they have to then take it from their numbers. And suddenly, like, who do you choose out of your tribe to go to be a slave? Like, that's a hard choice, too, to make. So that's why Dal-, Dal and Sasha are probably really important and why they have to find them. I
3: still think Sasha should have left his instruments behind. Oh, well, yeah. Like, I get it. You know, but he doesn't make money being a traveling entertainer. You know, it—he gets fed, but he doesn't to fit. You know, deal with the boredom. He admitted that. So it's like, dude, you can just get other instruments. You're trying to escape from slavery. Right. What are you doing? I'm not leaving him behind. I was like, they're gonna make a lot of noise and mess up our escape, and they did. Even mm-hmm. the horse was
1: like, bad idea, man. Bad idea.
3: I can't stand it. <laughs> Leave the jobs behind. <laughs> That's why I think the horse gave up. He's like, I'm not. Yeah, trying oh, the to be horse totally anymore. <laughs> anymore. Maybe the horse secretly hated Sasha. That
1: honestly was like the worst capture ever. The horse gave up too easy. It was an inside job. <laughs> True. The horse
3: didn't even try. It's like you're no Artex, are you? <laughs> oh.
1: <laughs> you had to. You had to go.
2: <laughs> you had to bring up Artex, didn't
3: you? Yeah. Like, Maximus would have jumped over them and kept going. Yeah, right?
1: hmm Our text was like, oh, I'm too sad, I don't care. <laughs> any, any fictional, or like, any horse would have done a better escape than that horse. That horse was over it. Can you blame him, though? No. I mean, once again, Sasha should have been killed off, like, four episodes ago. <laughs>
3: <laughs> He's only
2: been in like two or yeah, three before
3: exactly. the same episode. She's like, You should have died before you arrived. <laughs> I still think Sasha's a great person to be captive with, though.
2: Mm-hmm. I'd rather be captive with him. Though. I would. Me, too. He's still in high spirits. And
1: tries no, his best. I would have been like, I'm chewing my arm off. I need to get away from you. I'm chewing my arm off instead of being handcuffed to you for another second. Thank you.
3: Like, Bye. I felt Dal was such a downer, you know? Mm -hmm. i'm like why no wonder you've never gone off and lived your dream you just can't handle it out here man
2: (laughs) one thing goes wrong and he's like "Ah, ah." i actually give sasha credit for bothering to take dal with him yeah if he would have just the moment he got on that horse if he didn't stop to help dal on it he might have gotten away (laughs) what is wrong with dal's legs what is wrong with that boy's legs? I thought it was just the rollerblades But then when you
3: see him and Sasha running away And the, the you know, the nomads are like You'll never get away mm-hmm. Even then, look at Dal He looks like he's never used legs before To run, right? Maybe he never made before what is wrong with that like i'm like are you that bow-legged because it's really weird you know what i mean he kind of like he, ch- he looks like a chimp trying to run yeah. but he's never worn clothes before so it's like impeding his mobility Poor guy. i don't know what's wrong with down legs okay this kid never learns to run it's why he ends up dying <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: so um, so that leads us to our final thoughts of the episode so back in the mall, believing that Bray and Amber are secretly an item and with Trudy continuing to be nice to her, Selene's troubles come to the fore and we see her throwing up within the sewers after stealing the mall's food supply. Um, Paul, do you remember what your immediate thoughts were at seeing that scene? Um, did you realise what Selene was, what was going through or did you think it could be the virus? It was rather clear to me what was going on,
2: but in saying that I had several classmates. With similar issues back then. Mm-hmm. So that, that colored my view of seeing that for the first time.
1: I was a dumb kid. I thought the virus was back. I kind of hoped the virus was back too. I thought that would be really cool. And then later we get that payoff. So I was like, yeah, the virus is back. We're all going to die. Um, I knew what it was,
3: you know, immediately. Uh, but I, again, I was like 20. And I also suffered bul- from bulimia when I was young. And so I recognize the signs right away. And while I really hate her attitude towards Bray through the entire episode, because I'm just like, oh yeah, just stop. Stop." You dumped him, okay? What do you? Who cares who he might be in a relationship with? Don't worry, Bray. I won't tell anyone. Tell him what? You know what I mean? Like, what is this to you? You didn't want him. You didn't want him anywhere near you. Just seeing him on the walkway, you were just like, just stay away from me, Bray. Like for Pete's sake, (laughs) what is your problem, okay? Aside from that, <laughs> <laughs> making me want to just dunk her in the sewage, you know what I mean? She may be so it mad. Um, I, I did like the fact that Celine's bulimia did not stem from body image issues, which is yeah. very, very rare. Um, almost every <laughs> story that features a young woman, and sometimes young men, uh, having an eating disorder, it Almost entirely is solely on how they feel About their looks And I love that this has nothing to do with Celine's looks You know It's not because she's trying to get a guy Or look a certain way or change her life It has everything to do with guilt And hating herself And I was like that's awesome That's really cool so I appreciate that Uh, There are aspects of her bulimia That I don't care for And I don't think they did a very good job In how they manifested her symptoms of it But I do get that they were going, they were trying to be more obvious so that younger kids would understand that the way Celine is, her relationship with food is completely unhealthy. So mm-hmm. give them that. But it is annoying to watch because, as a form of bulimic, mm-hmm. everything that Celine does would have given her away. And that's not how it works. You know, um, mm-hmm. one of the reasons many people choose bulimia over anorexia is because you can hide it, um, nobody notices. That you're throwing up. It's something you can do very discreetly on your own. People rarely notice your binge sessions, you know. Um, but when Celine can't eat even a normal meal without looking like the Tasmanian devil when she's doing it,
2: mm-hmm.
3: yeah. it's a little over the top, but I get it. Again, the writers are trying to make it clear to children watching this yeah, there's something wrong with her, you know.
1: About like four times in, I realized what was going on. Let's just clear that air. Like, I eventually right. caught up with the show. But this first time, did not think.
3: But yeah, kudos to Bulimia being because she hates herself. Because she literally left someone to die. And now <laughs> that person is being oh, super nice her. And trying to be her friend and concerned about her. And so I do love the fact that what Celine did manifests as self-hatred. And that this is how she's <laughs> dealing with it. But yeah, stop having an attitude toward Bray.
1: Because we're getting back into like... You know, the tribe helping kids make sense of the world around them. And it's, like, a Mm -hmm. really dark storyline that is still... Like, it's not played off as something funny or less... Like, it's it's a very serious topic. And the show brings it up seriously.
3: Yeah. You can see what sets her off, too. That's interesting in this episode. Mm -hmm. Because she's already feeling manic about Trudy being nice to her. That throws her off. And then seeing Bray, the guy she rejected, but clearly didn't want to on some level because she's jealous of seeing him with another woman and so you get an idea what her triggers are and what does she do directly Mm -hmm. after these two incidences she goes and gets herself food more food than she needs and she's sneaking it and then you know binging in the cellar so i i do think that's interesting too that they actually focused on what triggers celine's manic episodes it's
1: really cool i don't want to say cool to see that but like you get to see it from all sides
0: so that brings episode 27 to a close thank you very much to the panel and we'll see you next time for episode 28 so until then bye bye
1: yeah
0: bye